Greetings to you if you're joining us for the first time. I know, I know, I know you must have encountered somebody who smiled at you if you were coming for the first time. Please don't consider it weird. We love to smile. That's just how we do. (laughs) So I encourage you to just sit and relax and enjoy the service in the presence of God. So I want to say this, that in the Just Ended series... We have been talking about margin. How many have enjoyed margin? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And margin was defined as, in simple terms, as breathing room, right? The space between our Lord and our limit. So, Jason has done an amazing job. Let's just thank God for our, for our pastor. Amen. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. He's done an amazing job of laying a foundation for us for the whole year, you know? And he's, he's, he gave us some building blocks, some pillars that help us to have margin. He talked about simplicity. He talks about slowing. He talked about surrender, solitude, Sabbath, and structure. And I'm telling you, I've been blessed by the sermons. If you, if you didn't listen to them, please Go to the website and listen through all of them. They'll be very important because this whole year, we want you to bear in mind two things. Even as we transition into the new series, which we are calling Followers of Jesus, we want you to bear in mind that the overarching theme of this year is formation which we define as the process of adopting a rule of life that will make room for being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did. The second thing we want you to bear in mind is that as we are transitioning, we are now beginning to talk about the fruit of margin. Once you have margin, this is what should naturally flow out. So we're talking about followers of Jesus, and I want you to look at that picture. That white dude right there, that dude right there, that's you. That is you right there, a follower of Christ. Oh, yes, that's you and me. That's right. My goodness. Oh, my. (laughs) Oh, yes. That's us. That's we. (laughs) Followers of Jesus in a world that that is going a certain direction, we are those that are reversing the trends and looking back at the one after whom we follow. Followers of Jesus. Now, who's a follower? A follower is a person who accepts the leadership of another. That's a simple definition of follower. A person who accepts the leadership of another. Because you see, the natural consequence of living with margin is overflow. Because margin allows a person to make room for a vibrant, functional relationship with Jesus, which flows out. And in our text today, which is Matthew 5, Jesus is teasing out what that overflow looks like. So let's go to Matthew 13 to 16 in the New Living Translation. Jason? Yes. (laughs) I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. 
Verse 13, it says, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it loses its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It would be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father in heaven. Amen. Amen. Now, you see, salt affects the environment simply by being what it is. Light also affects its environment simply by being light. And if we are going to be salt and light in this world, it would not be because of a lot of talk or a lot of doing, but it will simply be because of us being who we are, followers of Christ, because we are being salt. Now, the context for our text today is the Sermon on the Mount. Anybody familiar with the Sermon on the Mount? (laughs) Don't, 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 just... Sermon on the Mount. Matthew was written, this book that we've just read from, the Gospel of Matthew, was written uh, quite early and it was used in the early church as a manual for discipleship. Just like we have Growth Track. Growth Track helps you understand what our culture is, what we're all about as a church, what we believe in, and to help you settle in properly so that you become everything that God wants you to become, that he has purpose for you. So Matthew was used just like that. It was used to instruct believers how to live with the kingdom mindset and how to conduct themselves now that they They are living in a world where they are not of this world, but still living in a world that is going a certain direction. See, that's why I told you, you you and me are that dude, you know, the white one in a, you know. (laughs) So, I believe that Jesus' message to those people that were listening to him when he was telling, when he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount is still relevant to us today because we still live in a world that keeps pushing the boundaries of morality and it questions the validity of even God's commands, you see? But this is what God has prescribed for us as his children. So this message is very relevant to us. So now, Jesus is saying to his followers that they are salt and that they are light. Now, here's the thing. It's Luke's gospel that tells us what salt was used for in the ancient world. Matthew doesn't explain it, which allows a preacher like myself to put in the meaning, you know, according to my experience. And unfortunately, we put our experience of it in the kitchen or in the restaurant, which is just on food, you know, from the kitchen to you. So we think of salt as a preservative, as if a a sprinkling of believers here and there will make the atmosphere sweeter. But Jesus is 
not talking about that. In Luke's gospel, Jesus defines what he meant when he talked about us being the salt of the earth. And in Luke 14, verse 34 to 35, it says, salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil, underlying soil, nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Okay? Now, this gives us a clue on what salt was used for in the ancient world. It was scraped up from the shores of the Dead Sea. Anybody, everybody know, anybody know the Dead Sea? Yes, the Dead Sea. It's got so many salts in it. People can sit there and read a book, and they don't sink because it's so dense, full of different kinds of salts. But one of the main ones was potassium chloride, potash. And if you were familiar with farming or gardening, then you know that every plant needs three fertilizers. Firstly, it needs phosphates to develop the roots. It needs nitrates to develop the leaves. And it needs potash or potassium chloride to develop the flowers and fruit. And a balanced fertilizer will include all three of those. So the salt that was scraped up from the shores of the Dead Sea was widely used because of its potash, potassium chloride, as a fertilizer. And of course there was sodium chloride, which is salt, the one we use in the kitchen, you know. But Jesus is thinking of its use as a fertilizer. He says on the soil, it is neither good for the soil. It is a fertilizer that you put on the soil in order to make good things grow. The things that you wanted to grow out of the soil. And then he also mentions the manure pile or the dunghill in the KJV. Any KJV lovers? <laughs> okay, I'm just, I'm just joking. <laughs> Is it just me? Oh, okay. That's all right. But KJV fleshes it out. It says the dunghill. But the manure that is being talked about in the text is not animal manure. It is human manure. Okay? Don't go too far with your imagination. But let me tell you what happened in those days. They didn't have flush toilets. They just had a little sacred corner in the yard where they went to relieve themselves. And that is where they did worship. Worship. <laughs> That is where they sat and relieved themselves, did the sacred business, and after that, there was a box of salt, you know, next to the throne, and they took handfuls of that, and they put it on the dirt, okay? Do you see the picture? So it was a disinfectant, very simple disinfectant that they used to stop the spread of bad things. So those two uses give us a negative and a positive. One that stops the spread of bad things, negative, but it promotes the growth of good things. What is Jesus saying to his followers? He's saying you are the people that are going to stop the spread of bad things in society and you are going to promote the growth of good things. That is what Jesus meant. Now, having said that, there are three profound implications if we are going to be sought. There is need for quantity, there is need for distribution, there is also need for quality. 
We'll come back to the need for quality, but I want to start, I want to start with uh, the need for quantity. In the kitchen, a sprinkling will do, you know, because you just need a bit to make the, to make the, the meat, the nyama test, you know. <laughs> but as a fertilizer or a disinfectant, you need a considerable amount. You need handfuls, handfuls and shovelfuls in order for the effect to show. What does that mean to us today? It means that there must be, there should be a certain number of us, a certain proportion of people being sought out there. Okay? We need, there needs to be more of us being sought out there because quantity really matters. Okay? In order for the effect to show. show. And that is why evangelism is very, very important. You telling people about who you believe in, the Lord that leads your life, the one who owns you, and inviting them, joining, to join us as we know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. You invite them, okay? So there is need for society to feel the impact of salt, Because when in any society there is a good number of followers of Christ, the social trends begin to change. They begin to be reversed for the better. Okay? So we need to to have enough salt. There needs to be more out there. The second implication is that of distribution. I want to tell you this morning that as long as we are locked up in a building like this, we cannot be salt. Because salt in a box is useless. In other words, salt operates by presence, by direct contact. You need to put it on the dirt. It needs to be on that dirt in order to prevent the spread of bad things that you don't want to grow. And it needs to be in direct contact in order to fertilize, to promote the growth of good morals, good manners, character, and everything else that God desires of us who are his followers. So it operates by presence. And I want to talk to somebody here who's working in a hostile environment where everybody is, doesn't believe the same that you do, that you're the only Christian. I want to tell you that those people have hope because you're there. You could be the only Jesus they will ever see. You could be, you, there's light, there's hope for those people because you're there. So don't quit and to, in order to join a Christian outfit. Because I'll tell you this. It would be great to be with believers in heaven. But sometimes to be with believers here on earth, they can mess you around. They can, they, they can just, because they are not perfect. They're just people. And you think, no, if I join a company like that, then I'll be, we'll be praying just in the spirit all day. Not... <laughs> Not, not. So stay where you are. Rather pray that other Christians will join you and that you will have an impact. Is that, is that good? Yes. That's right. That's right. I want to give you an example. I have a friend of mine, and I asked, I, was, I asked his permission to actually use his story, you know, and I know he's here, <laughs> you know. I asked permission to use his story, like, because he does martial arts. 
And I asked him, can I talk about you and, you know, martial arts and the other people that you encounter, that you minister to? And he said, that is not a secret. This is not, I'm not hiding. We're not called to hide in church. This is public knowledge. People should know I do martial arts and I'm a Christian and God uses me in that area. There are people that need to be reached who will never step their foot in church. Because we need to be distributed out there. We need to be in direct contact with the dirt in order to disinfect and fertilize. Because we are salt. Salt that you put on the soil to make the, the, the bad things, you know, not to spread. And the good things to grow. Okay. I have another friend who's got colleagues who are... One is of another religion, you know, and the other one just doesn't believe God exists, you know, atheist. And this friend of mine says he's got a very good working relationship with his, with his colleagues. <laughs> and he never brings up the subject of religion and arguing and all those things about, you know, you know if you don't believe in God, you're going to die, blah, 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 blah. He just lives his life. He just makes sure that he he, he, he behaves in a manner that is exemplary, that his character is kept in composure. And that's not being fake, by the way. That's being wise. Okay? So he conducts himself in such a way that the people, are, he's in full view, you know, of everyone that he works with. And you know what? One day when those people encounter serious problems that require, like, you know, proper input, they are going to come to that friend of mine. And that is being sold, friends. It operates by presence. God is counting on you to do or to be that salt out there. Amen? The third implication. No, no, no. Before that, I go to that implication. I want to validate what I'm saying. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 20 says, Each person should remain in the situation they were when God called them. Where you are now, if you want to serve God, you don't need to come to this pulpit. You can serve God where you are found, wherever that is, on your job. You can serve God, and God is counting on you to shine, to be that salt in that place. The third implication is that of quality. Finally, salt must be salty. (laughs) Jesus talked, talked of it Losing its saltiness. But what did he mean? Because it's a physical impossibility for sodium chloride to cease being sodium chloride. Okay? But what did Jesus mean? Let me tell you this. Just a little bit of background. A clever salt dealer. You know? Clever. They will scrap up the salt together with the sand. And they'll go and sell it. And whenever a woman cooking in the kitchen was, you know, just cooking in the kitchen and Take some to put in the nyama. <laughs> right? Okay. In the meat. And sees that it's, it's not pure salt. It's got some other impurities in it. She will throw it back onto the street. You know? And people will walk it back into the dirt because it's dirty. It's good for nothing other than, it is, other than that. It is worthless. 
That is exactly what Jesus is talking about. Salt can cease being salt by becoming too mixed in with other impurities. And Christians can contaminate themselves with worldly ideas to the point where they don't have an impact. It can happen to us. And people will not respect us or the God we claim to be serving because we are too mixed in with other substances. I remember a proverb, you know, in my mother tongue. It says, It talks about, it's the hyena, you know, the hyena. When the hyena sees two dead animals, the giraffe and the zebra, it wants both. And it died like this. It's a caricature of being indecisive. Being mixed, having part of the world and having part of Christ. It diminishes the quality of your godliness and you are not going to have an impact on society as God intends. It is a shame to us as believers to have double standards. See, that is why formation becomes very, very important. To spend time being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and out of becoming, out of becoming like Jesus, to flow out and do what Jesus did. That is what God wants and requires of you and me. Salt of the earth. So that, those are the three implications. And if, if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's good for nothing. It's worthless. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, more facts. I hear you're talking about salt, blah, blah, blah. But what does salt look like? Oh, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Matthew 5, verse 2 to 11, is talking about the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes. The sermon on the mount. Same chapter. What does salt look like? Salt looks like, verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is a kingdom of heaven. To be poor in spirit, to be despised by the world, to lack self-confidence, and to say, God, if you don't help me, I'm going to crush. Please, I need your help to live this life. And that pushes you to a place where you spend time with him, where you read his word, where you pray, Because that's the only way you become like him in order to do what he did. Verse 4, it says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they they shall be comforted. To be mourning in a world that likes to be happy. To mourn is not to cry, you know. (laughs) In my culture, we cry when people die. Ah, I know here people just cry like... (laughs) No, we cry for real. When there's a funeral, everybody knows there's a funeral there. Not, I'm not, no offense, but we do cry. But I'm not talking about that crying, that mourning. Yeah, you can bear me witness, eh? We cry, you know? But I'm talking about to be mourning in a world that loves to be happy. I'm talking about mourning the society, the ills in society. I turn on the radio every morning and I hear murders, rape, and all kinds of social ills that are not encouraging at all. They depress you. And you know about it immediately when it's happening. But 
To be mourning in that kind of world, in this kind of a world, is to be broken by that to the point where you act on it. Okay? To be moved by compassion, eh? So that the salt is active. Okay? Verse verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. (laughs) Is that... Am I reading right? Yes, they shall inherit the earth. To be meek is to have strength under control. You have power, but you choose not to use it. You know? To be able to forgive. To give up your rights. You know? It's a world of rights. But people who are meek, they count on the lordship of Jesus. You know? And they emphasize the mercies of the Lord rather than their own rights. Verse 6. To hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for, right, for righteousness. To have your top ambition being pleasing God. You know? Striving for perfection. Remember, we are, we, we're, not, we're pursuing progress, not perfection. But it's in our pursuit of progress that we actually become more like Christ. And that is called perfection. Okay? To hunger and thirst for righteousness. Verse 9 says, blessed are the peacemakers. Peacemaker, to be a peacemaker that, rather than a fighter. Eh? <laughs> a peacemaker, to be a peacemaker is not an easy thing because the peacemaker is the one who's blamed for taking the other side by either side. You know what I mean? You get in between two couples who are a couple that is fighting. It's hard to be, you, you're trying to be in the middle and your main focus is to reconcile. Each of them will tell you, no, no, you're taking my wife's side. No, no, you're taking my husband's side. You know? <laughs> it's not hard, but you need to stay in there. And God gives you the ability to be just that. You know? And it's not going to be popular. It's not going to be endorsed by the world. And you're going to be persecuted. This is why Jesus added another beatitude that says, Blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness. See, it will not reward in this world, but it will in the next. And that is our top ambition, to please God, because eternity is much longer than this. Okay? Let me read Matthew 5, 11. It says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of uh, evil against you because of me. Rejoice. And be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Salt of the earth is the influence of the followers of Christ on society. Now let me talk a bit about light and we'll conclude. Because light also has a negative and a positive. The negative is, uh, is that it exposes it shows people up for the wrong they are doing, you know? In my culture, sometimes in a very rural, primitive uh, places, a thing can happen in a family, right? And maybe one person molests or does something just not right. Then the family will sit together and say, no, let's resolve this thing. Let's not take it out to the police. You know, let's just keep it within the family because we don't want people to, to, to shame us. But if you are a believer and you know that's wrong and the law needs to act on that and you say, no, 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 I'm going to report, you are going to suffer because they will reject you for going against what the whole crowd believes 
because you are that white dude, remember. The one who's saying, let's do it the right way. You suffer. You know? The, the other thing that light is, is that what light does is that it exhibits the right way. It exposes bad ways, it exposes darkness, but it also exhibits the right way. I, I, I want to flesh this out by telling you a story of myself. I come from Zambia in the Copper Belt, and uh, you know, when I finished matric long, many years ago, yeah, many years, like 20. Yeah, it's 20. Yeah, 20. Yeah, 19. 2001. Yeah, 19, yes, math. Okay, when I finished matric, I purposed in my heart that I wasn't going to bother my parents for money. So I went and, and got a job, underground mine, you know. And I started working like 2,720 feet down. And we were making barricades. And I remember the boss asking us, uh, would you guys like to work on Sundays? Because you'd get double pay, you know. I say, the, the other guys said, yeah, that's nice, that's cool. But I was serving at church. I'm a follower of Christ. I cannot afford to miss my time at church. So I said, no, I won't be working on Sundays. And everybody thought I was crazy. Like, how can a young person, you know, forfeit that and say, you know, that? So they started treating me a little bit, you know, with a little bit of hostility. Well, I'm saying little bit. I'm trying to be modest, but it was hostile, hostile you know. And I had to suffer because whenever they wanted to tell each other the stories of what happened last night in the club and their escapades, you know, they, didn't, they couldn't do it in my presence. So they would send me to carry heavy metal bars and it's in the incline that could be like even 800 meters going down. And you have to carry stuff sometimes up all the way up and sometimes down. And it was difficult. But by the time I returned, they would tell me, take your time. <laughs> by the time I returned, they would have told each other all the nasty stories because they couldn't say it in front of me. But that wasn't because of what I told them or what I did around them pretty much. It's just because of who I was. They couldn't do it. And I can tell you that was disinfection right there. When one of them had a problem at home, they came to me for prayer. That is what we're talking about, friends. Disinfecting. Exhibiting the right way. Exposing darkness, but also exhibiting the right way. Not to be condemnatory only, well, we condemn because we know something is wrong, but we exhibit the right way, the way forward. That is what Jesus meant when he talked about being salt, being light. He didn't talk about us going out there and, you know, exposing ourselves and showing devotional activity out there to people. You know, he didn't talk about, he didn't tell us to be letting everybody know that we are fasting and praying and giving, you know, to the poor. That's not what he's asking us to do. He's not asking us to be going with, art thou with it? Are you washed in the blood? You know, flaunting our spirituality with sanctimonious platitudes. That's not what Jesus is asking us to do. We are sought because that is who we are. We have been with Jesus. We are becoming like Jesus. And we do out of being 
Is that clear? Please stand to your feet. We are talking about the fruit of formation. Formation. The process of adopting a rule of life that creates room for you to be with Jesus. Okay? Spend time with Jesus. Become like Jesus. And ultimately, you can't help it. But do what Jesus did. I don't know where you are in your life right now. But I want to talk to somebody who's saying, I am already a follower of Jesus. To you, I would say, embrace who you are. Don't be in the middle. Go all in. Go all in. No reservation. Serve the Lord with, with gladness and please him. Let that be your top ambition. To the one who's saying, well, I don't even know what that is. I don't know what it is to be a follower of Christ. Well, I'm so glad you came to this place because this is your day. And I will say to you, give God a chance to love you. Nobody loves like him. He's the ultimate lover. And the fact that you are here means that he's got a destiny for you. He's got a plan for your life. I started following Christ at age 10 and it's been 27 years. He's never done me wrong. I've done all kinds of bad things, but he's remained consistent. That is the God that we serve. That is the God I am inviting you to. And if you are that person, please make your way to the connect area there and somebody will assist you. They will help you, lead you. With, with, you know, into the next step, the first steps, how do you become a follower of Christ? I guarantee you, God has a plan for your life and you are standing here because that plan is still there. So I want us to pray. I don't know what kind of prayer you're going to pray to God, but let him use you. Be the sort, go all in. Don't be at a crossroads. So just lift up your hands if you can and just pray with me. Father in heaven, I pray that you may help us as we move forward into exploring the fruit of formation. Lord, may I be a true follower who reflects the values, the the, the ideals, the character in order that I can impact the world. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you may help me be that believer, that believer who affects the environment by being who I am. In your name, God, I pray that, Lord, you would do a new thing in my heart that will help me Become all that you are. And as I spend time with you, I know I can't help but become like you. When I'm like you, I can't help but do what you did. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace and your mercy that is available to us. In Jesus' name, amen.